Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand spanking new episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. This is a special uh, volun- <laughs> Valentine's. There's a good <laughs> intro. A Valentine's Day pairing, although it is enjoyable any time of year because love is always in the air, especially here at Colton Classic Films. Uh, for this special feature, I'm, of course, your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff. And with me for the very first time in over two years of this podcast, we have my lovely wife, Corinne Porter. How are you doing? You couldn't keep me away any longer. I couldn't actually the true story is that um if you are married to a podcaster uh they're gonna make you work even on your birthday as today is her birthday <laughs> and I'm making her do something for me yes. uh, but I, I wanted to have you on because uh I love you but also because uh-huh. this is our our Valentine's Day pairing um and I call this pairing Michael Sarah is for lovers because both features <laughs> uh part one which we'll do today and part two next week star uh film icon Michael Sarah I I don't know you 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 asked correctly if he didn't uh fuck Harvey Weinstein and that's why he hasn't hasn't been in anything for the last 10 years perhaps um, that's true I mean not to be gross or to make light of a serious subject but it's just I think he plays the character that he plays really well. And like, I know people are like, well, that's just him. It's like, well, a lot of actors do that, but he does it so well and so sincerely that the fact that he blew up very briefly. And then, I mean, it could just be, he's been counting his Juno money since 2008 and he doesn't <laughs> have to work anymore, which is entirely possible, but it's, he, he is, I think so cute and lovable to watch on screen. That's kind of a bummer that I haven't seen him. I mean, I think he's made a cameo in like uh, one of those, one of those Vegas movies, what are they called? Oh, the Hangover movies? Yeah. <laughs> those Vegas movies. Those Vegas movies, I, just, I totally knew what you meant. I just angered so many dudes right now. Like, <laughs> dudes. Well, he did, he was the, he was the, he was the voice of Hank in uh, Pause of Fury from last year, 2022, which was, uh, I don't think a lot of really, people really knew. It was, it, it's, it's a remake of Blazing Saddles but for kids and instead of being a western it's an uh animal you know an animal um themed martial arts movie so uh he was there and that was you shouldn't you shouldn't do that that's that's bad i I actually you know what we're gonna have to talk about on this podcast because it's very divisive (laughs) Uh, people either love it or they don't love it so we'll see uh and he also uh he did have a um 
an episode appearance with At Home with Amy Sedaris from 2020. But other than that, he has been pretty low profile. Yeah. This movie it has a pretty great cast, though. So there's a lot of people talking about, I was obviously. Just looking at it. Yeah, opposite, opposite him is Kat Dennings, who is for, for, rock and music fans is uh now married to andrew wk of party rock fame and this movie is uh, it's called nick and nora's infinite playlist from 2008 and it is i would say music is a theme but we'll talk about it uh, you had some good points that music yeah. may not be the the central point which you might expect it to be considering it's called infinite playlist <laughs> infinite it is based playlist. on <laughs> yeah, it is based on a novel. Uh, the novel was uh, written by uh, two authors that I don't remember because this is not loaded properly. Thank you very much, IMDb. But yeah, it, it, I, I wouldn't have known that it was based on a novel, um, but mm -hmm. I can see that it is, It's I think it's well written. So uh, maybe that is the case. It's Rachel Cohn and David Levithan did the novel. The screen play was written by um uh lauren scafaria who also worked on uh, she's done a lot she's still working um she wrote and directed hustlers uh the the recent hit so this was certainly she's she's still around still making movies uh she's also in this movie she plays a drunk makeout person with another cameo seth oh, meyer right. um and it's directed I know it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, we'll talk uh, about it. Uh, the movie was directed by Peter Solet, um, S O L L E T T, because I don't know how to pronounce names. Uh, he is still working as well. Probably most recently, uh, he he directed some of uh, the series Evil for Paramount Plus. But let's get into the plot of this movie. So Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. It is a hipster romance. It is a a, a comedy, yes, you, which is you probably why call, we enjoy it. <laughs> you could call it a rom com. But I don't, it doesn't really fit to me with the rom-com vibe of like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like there's no slapstick per se. It's a little more understated. There's no uh, slapstick. Okay. There's, okay. There is slapstick. I, um, <laughs> I, I guess there's no, there's no bridesmaids diarrhea in a public restroom sink. Um, okay. Again, I guess... you, <laughs> no, there's no diarrhea. There's just vomit and gum. There is vomit and gum. We'll talk about that. There's, I think that's disgusting... I think that's critical. That is critical to the plot <laughs> critical, of the movie. Critical to the plot that there be vomit and gum. <laughs> uh, so the plot is that uh, Nick, played by, um, <laughs> you've got me off track now. You totally blew up my spot. I'm just kidding. Michael Sarah plays Nick, and Kat Dennings plays Nora. Uh, Nick is in a slump because he was dumped by somewhat long-term girlfriend and person who plays around mean girl uh tess tess happens to go to another school an expensive private school her name is where... tris not tess tris okay it starts it's, with a t you're only it's... confused because it's not a real name and it's never been used in any other form of fiction ever <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only reason totally, you're confused that's totally totally true it is it is tris and it is she's played by alexis Dezinia, who is i i recognize her i'm sure for many things but i only remembered her from uh jim jarmusch's broken flowers with bill murray i believe she plays the the sort of nude lolita character at one point but she dumped him he's broken up about it he's in a band called the jerk offs with um two other gay boys he is straight uh it's nice to they call it a queer core band which is delightful and uh Kat Denning's character, uh, Nora, 
is never met him, but she knows the soundtrack, the mix CDs that he makes for Triss, and she digs them out of the trash can when Triss just throws them away because she loves his musical taste. It matches her. Uh, we later find out that her dad is a famous music producer and uh, it's sort of ancillary to the plot. But anyway, they end up meeting at uh, one of Nick's shows. His, his band shows, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it just so happens that that night, there is a band that they all love called Where's Fluffy, who does pop-up shows but don't tell people where it's at. So they leave clues around the city. And this is taking place in uh, on the boroughs of New York. So it's it's the film takes place in one night from like, or one day rather, from, I don't know, like three o'clock, the end of a school day kind of thing, to uh, about 4 a.m. the next morning or 5 a.m. the next morning. 5 a.m. the so, next morning. Yeah. So uh, it's it's one night. It takes place uh, in the in the the darkness of the city lit by neon i will say that my main complaint with the movie is just that there's i've never i'm not super familiar with new york but i the couple times i've driven through it i've never seen as little traffic as there was on the new york streets uh, but it does seem like a fun place to hang out anyway so nick and nora end up kind of hitting it off and then getting on each other's nerves and then getting to know each other back and forth until of course it is a rom-com ending so they uh spoiler alert end up together um and spoiler and alert in this rom-com the main couple ends up together <laughs> right well you know so i think it was last year uh for valentine's day we did another michael sarah movie paper hearts where he plays himself in the pseudo documentary and that that has kind of a bittersweet ending uh and this one is not is not bittersweet i i like this this doesn't bum me out yeah. uh so there's lots of i think this is a really quotable movie and i think it's a really delightful movie that a lot of people could watch it's mainstream um but at the same time i don't think it's boring uh which a lot of mainstream especially rom-coms can get so you had seen this movie before but i don't think you remembered that much of it what was your what's your takeaway this watch for nick and nora's infinite playlist the second time around yeah um I, I would say, like how you said, oh, it's like an indie or it's like a hipster. I don't even consider it indie because of the release and it had Michael Sarah in the lead. But um, I like it, but it does have this feel of it's it's almost theatrical and that it's very slice of life. And that sometimes because they're being very real about it, sometimes it, you're like, okay, I know this would happen in real life, but because this isn't real life, we need things that happen to move the plot forward but the Kat Dennings and Michael Sarah are so strong like their chemistry works so well that you can kind of forgive it I think if um you're just willing to kind of follow these two people throughout the film um but like you said or, or mentioned earlier how we were talking about before we started recording how yeah it's just in a film that's called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist I thought I remembered more music and like, yes, obviously it has a soundtrack because it's a film, but like, especially the scene where she picks up the CD out of the trash after Tris, the ex-girlfriend has thrown it away. I thought we would get a montage of her listening to that, if not some of the other CDs. Like I thought it'd be her friend being like, oh, I can't believe they're listening to another one. And there'd be a montage of like her in her room listening to these tracks and we don't really get that we're just told like oh you like and her friend says like you're in love with this guy and like it would be this really cute like Cyrano de Bergerac thing but we're told that's what's happening instead of being mm -hmm. shown like she's falling in love 
with him through the songs, the way, you know, Roxanne falls in love with Cyrano through letters. It's just like, and I know it's been mm. done in other movies. So I thought it was weird that we didn't get to see it played out. We were just told like, these people are going to love each other because they like the same bands. And like, mm-hmm. I just, and like in the beginning, even in the credits, there's like, it's like, it looks like a, a school notebook. And there's all these band names that kind of like go across the screen. Mm. And I can't tell you for sure which ones were in the film. And like, if any of like, if all well, or know- most of them were played in the film and like, maybe that could just be my untrained ear, but like, I recognize some of the names and like, I don't know if I heard them during the film at all. Well, it's interesting because there's actually, I don't think, and and people can write in and tell me, but I actually don't think that there is any sort of orchestral soundtrack in this. I think the whole movie is backed by uh, fans' tracks. But, but I was like, you're, you're right, they're not highlighted it, in a way. And it never, I never was like, oh, this goes so well with this scene. Like that never happened once in this movie. Not that the music's bad, but it felt like a backing it it's felt like used background as music a back- the whole time. Yes, and I kept totally. expecting to be like a character in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack never feels like a character in the movie. It just literally feels it like It feels the more background. like it's setting the scene rather than acting in the scene. I completely yeah, agree like, with that. Like, I'm it, sorry, One Tree Hill featured music better than this film did. <laughs> well, One Tree Hill did a lot of other things too. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> not true. done as well as this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're, and you're right. And it is. I mean, this is sort of like the soundtrack to this movie is number one long and it's like a hipster like buffet from um, from the early 2000s. Like, I mean, we have there's the Ravenettes, there's uh, Modest Mouse, there's um, the Ratatats. There's there's also some other stuff that hipsters love, like Dusty Springfield uh, <laughs> is in there. Some Mark Mothersboro music. Uh, and, and so just, there's a and band of horses. Yeah, there's a lot. I just wish they had like featured the songs more again for like for untrained ears like mine. I was listening for something to like really click with the scene or really click with what was going on with between the mm. characters. And it just that didn't happen for me as a in the in, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I think it's sort of interesting because we, we, we mentioned it when we were watching the movie and I didn't I. I hadn't thought about it, but it's true. We see a lot of music references in the movie and there is a lot of music playing, but it's Mm -hmm. never at the forefront. Um, And it almost sort of feels weirdly intentional if you think about it too, because the climax of the movie, they find out where Fluffy is going to be playing at this location. They get Mm -hmm. there and then our, our duo leaves. They yeah. skip the concert. Yeah. And so it's sort of like we're, we're again denied the music. Yeah. Spoiler alert, um, you never get to hear Where's Fluffy. Where's Fluffy, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, and and I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it kind of it kind of makes sense. Also, the idea that it came from a novel sort of makes sense too then um, because you can only quote lyrics so much in a novel. You can give the vibe of a style yeah. of music, but I don't Just... really know describing music is really hard yeah and <laughs> i could see but again you were in they had this medium where the audience is going to hear what you want them to hear and i don't think they oh i know this is at the end but before i forget the scene where they kind of like get together is the only time i notice the soundtrack because it's silent yeah it's just them talking mm-hmm. and for the it's pretty much the first and only time in the movie like everything gets really quiet and it's just them talking ironically in a sound booth (laughs) right that is funny and (laughs) and that scene is sort of i thought that was really poignant that everything went quiet and it was just them talking but that was the only time i noticed the soundtrack and when there was a lack of soundtrack 
That's cool. Yeah, that's true. And it, we get that. And that scene also is kind of interesting in that uh, it's a, a female pleasure centered scene, right? They don't yes. actually have sex. He no. gives her a hand job, which yeah. is, I mean, how often does that happen? Especially Almost in never. I was. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially I, I for could, high school, high school age characters. I mean, they're seniors, so it's they're just graduating. Yeah, yeah. Um, soon. But I actually really like. I remember you told me you're like, "There's a female orgasm in this," and I was like, "Sign me up for this movie. I will watch it again." And it was also, uh, it was also like kind of realistic it wasn't overstated it wasn't understated mm. the silence works and of course you see the sounds of them um you know their 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 slight sounds of coups and things over the uh monitor and yeah. and that's and that's nice and also another thing that i thought was unusual about this movie is that our our lead character has his two best friends are both gay and it's not really yes there's some jokes aimed at it but they're never the target really of the jokes and yeah. they're the ones that have their shit together um and it's played by Aaron Yu, plays Tom, and uh, Rafi Gavron plays Deb, who, funny fact, uh, they're, everyone else in this movie has aged to like look like adults, except for Michael Sarah and Kat Dennings. They look <laughs> they, the same age now. Eternally, Fountain of Youth, yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, but I really loved that. And we also <laughs> we also have uh, uh, Jonathan B. Wright, who plays uh, Lothario, who is the the almost silent um, kind of gay hanger on? Just beautiful who's, and gay, which just is beautiful. It's just delightful and beefy guy for most of the movie. <laughs> um, and just a truly delightful, and I I just love it. They're the ones because you always get this. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. Um, writer uh, David Rakoff said that as a as a gay man, he almost this was in the late nineties, two thousands. He only ever got like. Um, two roles he was a jewish man so he either got um a, like jewy mcjewenstein or <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm butchering the quote here or fudgy mcpacker meaning like the super gay <laughs> friend who like shouted a quip and then was off screen um and and they sort of don't follow that prototype as much here yes they're the friends who have the wisdom but they also are their own characters who actually act with complete anonymity in some cases to uh the leads yeah. Right, like the leads tell them to do something, they actually do something else yeah. uh, several times, and they yeah. go to stay. They they go to see where's Fluffy. Like they they stay, yeah. um, and it's sort of and that's it was nice to see, uh, just characters that are gay that get to just be characters, and it's not a big deal. And for two thousand and eight, this was actually kind of shocking to me to think back on it. Um, well, and to have the friend uh dev be the lead singer of the band and it's not michael sarah who's the lead singer yeah uh, and I, and actually the jerk offs yeah. were pretty great uh, they actually yeah. have a full song <laughs> on the soundtrack it's pretty great uh yeah. so yeah I, I like that we also have to give it up for um uh the character of caroline played by ari grainer who is um cat <laughs> dennings is, is the highlight of this film <laughs> she is such a delight she acts by herself a great deal of the movie because That's her right. role yeah her role is that um she's sort of cat denning's like safety net but also cat denning's character of nora is the 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 good friend the safe friend who always yeah. looks after um the train wreck friend caroline yeah who gets drunk yeah. and she's like don't get drunk tonight she's like i won't and then instantly gets drunk and is all over the place and is a huge mess and then cat has to take her home and it's sort of like this mother daughter relationship in a way um, but what happens is to set the movie up is she's drunk and then Kat Dennings 
to get back at Tris, who's kind of the mean girl of their friend group. Um, yeah. Who's like, what are you going to do? Not have a date or whatever. She's like, I have a date. He's over there and kisses Michael Sarah, not knowing that Michael Sarah's character of Nick is Tris's ex. So then Tris gets jealous and kind of goes after him for the rest of the movie and follows them around. Whereas uh, prompted by Nick's friends, Nora tries to hang out with Nick as much as possible to see if a relationship is possible. But that means sending Caroline with the gay guys to take her home. Well, as is a very reasonable response right um this we, poor we girl get, this poor girl we get her waking up from being hammered still being hammered in the so back hammered. of a van while three dudes are dude talking in the front of course they're all gay she doesn't know that well, and it yeah. uh but, but so she thinks talking she's been about abducted. Going, talking about changing their name to balls deep balls deep so she the first runs thing away she hears when she wakes up and she rightfully runs screaming from the yes van. so then we get the rest of the movie where uh the the whole gang is trying to find her at the same time as trying to find uh, where's fluffy so and she is a delight she is a mess she's like the exaggerated version just a little bit i actually don't think she's that exaggerated in some ways of like your messiest college has had this friend and yeah, i know they're not college age friend. yet but i know some people party in high school but i think most of us i don't know maybe i was just really uncool but but definitely by the time you get to college and you started partying you yeah you we've all you all had that friend that uh you're a little bit worried about as the night goes on and we just and she has this i mean it's really about really this movie's about her and her wad of gum and the yeah, journey she keeps that it. they go through that's actually <laughs> we see her kiss some stranger as she's getting drunk and the gum is between their teeth oh. and then we see her then we i mean it goes it goes on guys it is really she vomits in first she has a stranger hold her gum well, tries to eat his, his sandwich, sandwich and then she goes and throws up pulls the gum out of the toilet and then later on oh. she has she has nora hold her gum and nora chews the gum and then saves the gum and then michael sarah gets the gum from kissing her it is and the gum has stayed through the whole movie i, um, I don't know how anyone didn't die i mean in this story from the, oh god it's it's so wild she and, not only does she pull it out she throws up and like while she has the gum, she throws it up into a New York bus station toilet. Busted, yeah, pulls yeah. it out of a New York bus station toilet. The amount of germs that would be in that bathroom. You know I think that might there might be enough bleach and chlorine in there that that might have actually cleansed the <laughs> it's, gum. It was the cleanest. And the stomach ever acid been. just eat it out. I, so and her character is a delightful. It's like you can't help but like her, even though she is such a mess. And she. You say she's I delightful mean, because you've never had to follow that friend. Well, it's funny because I, I laughed for her character because I know that you have friends like this. Yeah. And I laughed because as a guy, I have left many a friend drunk and ridiculous somewhere because I'm not handling that. It's different for men because we're much less afraid of, of being victimized because yes. we are not the, not that men are never victimized, but, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's much less, less of often. an issue. And so for women, obviously, it's a big deal. For men, it's sort of like, wow, where'd you wake up today? I don't know uh well uh i left you there because you were a mess yeah. uh, so also corralling a drunk guy into a, a car is not the easiest task um you watch you had to corral a few people and yes it yes, was not there's... easy no, so they don't true. get very far to be fair <laughs> they usually don't have shoes at that yeah, point they don't have shoes or the shoes aren't on all the way or... <laughs> well and i have to give a shout out too because ari Gaynor plays this 
so so well i think her full name is ariel plays this role so well but she also nailed the role she played lisa in the disaster artist the um sort of pseudo biopic movie about the making of the, of the tommy was so legendary cult film the room so she played lisa's role in that and she does such an amazing job there as well so i yeah ari let us know come and talk on the show we'd love to have you on <laughs> i'd love to hear your experiences um we also get a lot of cameos in this movie from from yeah. people who are now a little like we get andy sandberg plays uh <laughs> like a an unhoused uh, an person uh, yes uh, an aggressive uh, unhoused person yeah i was gonna say to, to be less couth about it in this case he plays an, uh, an aggressive derelict who talks about having sex with dogs um and so we also casting for andy samberg <laughs> um we also get the authors of the novel in the background of the diner scene which is sort of a reconciliation for nick and nora uh and it features the gum uh and and nick pokes it with his finger uh, and Nora tells have, him, no, I need to keep it fresh. That, that, you have to keep the flavor. <laughs> it still has flavor in it. No, she um, says, I need to keep it fresh. Fresh. And that gum has not been fresh <laughs> since about minute five of this film. Oh, God. It is well past fresh when she's asking him, oh. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. The amount of My, mouths that gum goes through. We also, uh, we also have um, really... I, I we're both Jay Barakel fans. I don't know how you say his name, Barakel. Anyway, he plays he voices Hiccup in the How to Train Your Dragon oh, yeah. film series, and he's also like the nerdy um, actor soldier in Tropic Thunder. Uh, he plays Tal, the uh, like the the Jewish sort of like uh, he's trying to be like a Jewish rapper. Yeah, like a hyper Israeli musician but, who's but, on and off yeah. with Nora and trying really trying to get her to give his 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 demo to her dad, her dad is really yeah. the deal um and it's interesting to see him play this role because i didn't remember I, I mean i knew this role but i didn't remember it was him because yeah. he doesn't play up the sort of like nerd voice you know hey, that guys. yeah he he just Astrid. speaks in a very natural voice yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah th there's no there's no jerry lewis uh to his voice in this one um we have to touch on though my absolute favorite cameo in this movie is john cantwell that i did not remember john cantwell people will remember from one of two places one he is the drag icon love connie uh yes. who is <laughs> is a phenomenal if you don't know who love connie is a uh, follow on instagram real love connie uh, sort of an 80s exercise aerobics vibe um drag queen super funny but also john cantwell was uh the um what what was the legally blonde um, oh yeah bend what's and it snap. called bend and snap yeah. um, bend and snap works every, every time. time that's yeah, love john connie, cantwell love connie is a uh, olivia newton john with chest hair exactly 100 percent, 100 percent, uh and and performs very often I, still i was like is that love connie and then she kicked over her head and i was like oh yeah it is okay I yes, was just yes like i wasn't sure until she did a high kick i was like oh yeah that's her for sure Yes, and uh, and love and love Connie is the lead of a drag band that's on stage uh, in in the movie, and that was super fun, especially since I didn't remember that at all. Uh, you also, can't do a movie in New York and not have drag queens in it. Totally, totally, and I have to say, and which is interesting because actually I don't know maybe. Uh, 
maybe Love Connie lived there at the time, but this takes place in New York and Love Connie is LA based, but not that that matters. Uh, I also want to say, give a shout out, follow at Real Love Connie on Instagram and also DM Love Connie if you want. I think there she still might have a couple of copies of Queer Abs, the spoof workout video to get gay abs that actually has really good and difficult <laughs> core workout in it. Super fun. Uh, we have our copy and it is a treasure. So there's there are lots of of cameos in this movie. This was sort of I would say the peak of Michael Sarah's popularity because it's post Super Bad, it's pre Scott Pilgrim, it's right in the middle. They followed up um, the next year with Youth and Revolt, uh, and then obviously the next year after that in 2010 with Scott Pilgrim, which we'll talk about next week. Um, I it's interesting because there were two movies I think when we met, which has been a million years ago 15 years ago or some 14 almost, somewhere yeah, around almost there. 15 years ago. Uh, i i there were two like hipster romance comedies that i really loved uh this one nick and Nora's infinite playlist and 500 days of summer and i will say this i saw that i don't enjoy 500 days of summer but this film aged with me in a way that 500 days of summer has not because 500 days of summer has the problematic manic pixie girl like energy yeah. of um the the oldest living manic pixie girl in history uh <laughs> she's not even old but um uh what is her name why can i not think of her name zoe de chanel zoe de chanel i was like her sister is bones um yeah her, zoe sister, de her sister is bones <laughs> uh yeah, the show uh, is called bones the, the character <laughs> they call her bones i don't think her name is i don't think no, her name don't, is bones i don't think her name is bones either um but, but zoe de chanel Zoe Deschanel uh, and um, well, and I can't think of his the other guy's name uh, jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, from Blueprint and other things who played Cobra Commander I don't that was the one I fell off the wagon I couldn't I couldn't figure it out uh, anyway uh, which it's an interesting movie it has lots of really beautiful artistic flares but it has the problem that it's all kind of about one person being unattainable and also kind of willfully not relationship safe uh yeah. like the manic pixie girl like logic doesn't play out feasibly in the real world whereas nick and nora's infinite playlist they actually both have a little bit of mess in their relationship lives right you find out that yeah. nora's sort of semi seeing this guy that she keeps bouncing back to and nick is constantly um bouncing back anytime she calls to tris his yeah. uh, kind of emotionally abusive ex-girlfriend right uh and yet they do find each other make it work and that seems to be real life right a lot of people don't meet when both are completely unattached with any sort of things a lot of times people meet and yeah well they're kind of seeing somebody else but they're not maybe exclusive or whatever the case is um it's just life is different and i liked that this movie allowed life to be a little messy but didn't it didn't seem to throw up ridiculous roadblocks um i feel like it's crammed into one night so it's a yeah. lot to go through in one night but uh, I felt like it, it kind of worked on its own, its own yeah. merit. Also, there's no like, Nick doesn't even, it's Michael Sarah, so it makes sense, but he doesn't have to do any like big, bold, like ma hyper masculine feats to impress Nora. And Nora gets to be smart, yeah. right? And they play her as like the, the dorky friend, but I mean, you mentioned it, it too, it just, like, it just doesn't. Really she's kind of beautiful i mean i know they don't even they don't even do the lazy thing where like they put her hair up in a ponytail and yeah, her glasses like, like she's just kind of hot the whole time and the only thing they do to address that she's supposed to be the dork 
is they like give her a better bra yeah. And then they're which like, the, oh, which the gay well, boys have in their car, yeah. which I'm going to say all gay, is true. All gay men, all, all gay men have a bag, uh, a box of various bras in their car. I'm like, yeah, and you know, we don't brought wanna... up like why they have them. I'm like, do they do drag? Like not. It's yeah. Not, it's I don't, like, I mean, I don't... It's like being gay and trans is the same thing. Right. Or like all gay people do drag. It's like, no, they don't. I'm not sure why they have a box of bras. You know, it's funny. They, it is true that not every gay why. person is drag queen. I will say this though. I mean, we live in Palm Springs, so maybe it's it's probably not. But every gay person I know does drag. <laughs> as as like, friends just of the most gay people I know do drag, doesn't he? But yeah, it was just it's true. Uh, again, Cat um, Cat Dennings is so pretty that to have her be like the dorky character like took me out of it for a second. I was like, at least give her a montage of like shaking her hair out of a ponytail or something <laughs> because it yeah. was just uh yeah. yeah her her being unattractive was just the most unbelievable part of this movie <laughs> and i mean they they did try and like they she's never called ugly or anything like that no. but she doesn't feel attractive um yeah. and there's the bit about her like tris sort of um ripping on her because she's never apparently had an orgasm and at first and by listen, the way, that, that conversation has never happened between you know I, I will say I... this maybe not between two girls but it is at first i was like oh ridiculous but then i was like you know what High school people are friggin' weird. I forget how ridiculous. Like I was never into that, but I do remember hearing people say, "Oh yeah, well, um, they kissed and then he threw up." Like these ridiculous claims that, like, you know, or like, um, you know. I I mean, I guess, I guess I could see this conversation happening because a lot of girls don't have orgasms in high school. Yeah. they're having sex, uh, but they're not having orgasms. Yeah, PSA, everyone. Women have orgasms, and yeah. uh, you, there's a lot so of just, reading you can do online if you need help, men or women, whatever the case is. I just don't know why the conversation happened at all, because I'm, again, like, would this happen in real life? I guess. I don't know where it fits in to the story. It'd be different well, if, like, she'd never kissed a guy, and so sex was this big, scary thing, but I, she said she'd kiss the other guy, and I thought it was... She it, had sex. It's, yeah, it she had sex clear. with Tall. Tall, yeah. tall, tall. And so tall. to be like, you can't have an orgasm. I thought was a. It was a, so the way they played it. I don't, it, and I don't I'm, know why it's even brought up. I'm curious to know. Well, it's brought up because I think because Tris is trying to guilt. She's trying to make Nora feel like she's broken, so she shouldn't be with Nick, right? Because she's like, I just I care about him, and it broke his heart when I left, and I don't want to see him get hurt again, yeah, which is ridiculous. Not, yeah, it's but the logic it, it was, is the logic is flawed. But also, I mean, we've all you know, especially hey. It's okay. This is a safe space. We're all listening to a, a podcast about cult and classic films. We're, we've all been nerds at some point in our lives, if not continually, uh, like like those of us making the podcast. Uh -huh. And we all have insecurities, and that's one of those things that like people like to. But to, like, to girls aren't insecure. Girls aren't insecure because they can't have orgasms. I think maybe there I'm might crazy. Be some. I mean, maybe. No, I, we maybe... would like to have them, but they're not like. <laughs> oh, no one's gonna want to have sex with me if I don't have an orgasm. That's. That's not yeah, what happens. That's, that's it, how I it mean, happens. I maybe As I, had sex I can't with speak. People who didn't give me orgasms, they weren't like, "Oh, well, now I can't have sex with you because your vagina is broken." That was never a conversation that happened. I I can. In fact, I they usually totally didn't even understand. bother to ask if I had climaxed or not. Well, there's also the phenomena, right, of women lying because you're just like, "Oh I yeah, well, do this, or I don't want her feelings." Well, and I think that could play into that as well. I don't know. But that's uh, the thing. It's it's it, such a I'll, this is what I'll say. 
on because I, I you are a woman i am not i have zero understanding of this really concept uh but it does it's such a weird detail that it has to ring it true has to, for someone. It has to have happened it has to, somebody. to be true. Like it doesn't the mean that it, or their cousin or yeah, because it's such yeah. a specific detail. And and um, and but that doesn't always mean that it works in a movie, right? Because it takes like, you again, out of it. They're trying to make it real, but this isn't real life. It's a movie, right? I just thought, um, and I don't know what what stakes it was adding. Yeah, because we don't the, really get because she gonna, doesn't then break up with Nick, right? She's not like, yeah. well, we kind of. I think, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we can, as, as the film, as the film watcher, the audience, we can mm -hmm. see the intent, but it doesn't really fully play out before be, it moves on be to other It'd different if she had sex with multiple people, which some people in high school do, um, and multiple, it could be two or three guys, and she's never had an orgasm, and she's like, oh no, what if it's me? Yeah. And is well, putting pressure on herself. And that's the implication. It's established that she's it's only just... had sex with one other guy. Mm -hmm. And so to be like, your vagina's broken. It's like she's had sex with one dude. If it was a pattern, it would make more sense. Yeah. But so again, I think they were trying to add tension, but it didn't land for me because the, yeah. the stakes weren't high enough. They're like, okay, you had sex with one dude. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It was just just a weird. <laughs> I don't know. It would have been also been yeah. like, well, your boobs are too big. I don't know if you can handle them. Like, it's just a weird <laughs> insult. It's like. Like, oh, the guy you slept with is bad in bed. You shouldn't sleep with my ex. What? Yeah. I don't yeah. even know. Like, it was, it's like a backhanded compliment. Like, the guy you broke up with is bad at sex. Right. All well, right. and I think it's, it's playing into that, you know, definitely patriarchal thing of like, well, if something's wrong, especially in the bedroom, it's the it woman's fault. It must be the woman's fault. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, but, um, yeah, it's just that it didn't add anything to, uh, like, it would have just been, I mean, I feel like there's already the tension of she's fallen in love with this guy through the mixtapes he's made for another girl. Yeah, which and is kind of the core of and it, he's right? Like, just made her another one, like that day, like that, like the day, the day they the meet. Great... He's yeah, he's made. He's, he's another like, this is the last mixtape, and then he's burning he's, another one. In yeah, his and another one pops out of his computer. Oh, and I love Mostly. that this was this movie was made at a moment in time where people had iPods, but you were still burning mixed CDs. That made me yeah. really happy. I bring back the mixed CD. I cannot yeah. stress this enough. We're such a fan of physical media I'm here. So, at I'm, so Films, but... I'm so tired of my song skipping because there's no Wi-Fi where we live or like there's no <laughs> cell connection. where <laughs> we live. Like, don't you love streaming music? I'm like, not when you live out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing that I love, too, is with mixtapes the best part is when those mixtapes go on to a thrift store or something and someone else finds someone them else namely them. me because it's the most in it's it's it it captures it's like a poem it's like a beautiful poem and it captures something for someone somewhere um i i've been guilty of making mix cds in my past and i don't regret it one bit never made one uh, for me well we, we were not, beyond not once in 15 years <laughs> <gasps> how dare you here's the here's the truth though Corinne and I do not have the exact same music. No, we, my we my mixtapes would probably have not been uh, loved and enjoyed the same way, uh, but they'd have been this is, designed this is, gorgeous. This is true. <laughs> so I, as, as we wrap up here, we move on to uh, the recommend or not. I'll start as always, because uh, it's my show. I I recommend Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I mean, if you were, if you, 
light kind of offbeat uh, you mentioned earlier if you like michael Sarah and kat dennings either or both and mm -hmm. you should like both then you're going to enjoy this movie uh it's kind of the movie that really i think any except for maybe parents to their adult children maybe that wouldn't have a connection right but relationship wise anybody even kids can watch this movie and not really be super upset it also has great lines like um will you fistful of assholes shut up <laughs> like that this great lines um yeah. and when michael sarah is is trying to make her feel better that she left her friend with his bandmates and like oh no they're all gay no they're they're all gay and if anybody's getting raped in that van it's a yeah, man it's, it's which, a <laughs> which is which so is, again not to make light you laugh at because it's so awful but also it's, you're like statistically it's and also to it's, a man and... it's coming out of michael sarah's mouth yeah like, and it's, it's so it's like a like a cartoon chipmunk talking about rape it's so ridiculous that you have right. to laugh because it's, it's like i want i think the biggest problem in in michael sarah's career thus far is that no one has cast him as like a bank robber like because can you imagine that conversation like uh i'm pretty hey, sure he would um, just hand can i um can you just look i don't want to can you just yeah, leave the money um, no it's okay I, i'm gonna I, no i'm I, just gonna go i'll come back later wanna, i don't want to shoot anybody it's just gross can you just thanks um, it's almost closing i'll just I'm, yeah. not, I'm just gonna take this pen oh it's yeah. chained down okay i'm just, I'm, not, I'm gonna go uh yeah. yeah no it's just the michael Sarah effect is is still alive and i i you know michael Sarah's for lovers what else can i say i recommend this it does have if you like hipster music like that indie rock especially like the you know to early 2000s era you're gonna really enjoy it pick up the soundtrack uh and and read the book i have not read it but it's it's now on my list how about that uh and Corinne, would you recommend Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist from 2008? And if so, why and to who? I would definitely recommend this movie. Um, it's just, like I said, the relationship between the two of them is very sweet. Um, and it, like I said, while there are problems with Slice of Life, how they meet and start connecting with each other over their taste in music and how there's this very real couple of scenes where like you know his ex-girlfriend shows up and again he's he made a, a mixtape for this girl like that morning and so it makes sense that yes he's met this this beautiful girl and they have similar taste in music and they you know they click really well it does make sense to have a moment of pause where he's like well I did care about this you know this other girl and like I have and been he's been pining her. for her well I mean in in six months in high school is a pretty decent amount of time to be in a relationship so it makes sense that he would give pause to be like do I want to get back together with this person and I think it's played believably um that he just him considering like do, do I want to give this person there's a really good moment where he gets out of the van from his friends to go talk to his ex and the way Kat Denning's character says you know like it was nice to meet you mm -hmm. oh it's, a, it's such a good moment in the film and I really like too they don't Tris is not a good person, but she's not she's not played as Satan. She's a mean girl. Made, I actually think they made her worse than she needed to be. Probably again, possibly, again I, it's brought up multiple times that she's cheated on him. And it would have made more sense that she's following him around the city. Every venue they go to. Oh. They should have run into someone who's like, hey Tris, and clearly like knows her. Yeah, that would have been um, interesting. It, it was, again, it was another layer that could have gone somewhere. And again, in real life, do people cheat on people and you never find out? Well, and, so it's what fine, I'm... but like in the, in the in fiction, it's brought up multiple times. Michael mm -hmm. Sarah's character never finds out. It never has any bearing on the plot. 
I'm not sure why it's brought up other than to be well, like she's she's a bad kid he should yeah. be with her when it it's could true just be like hey when you're 18 years old and you really care about someone you can outgrow them in six months and meet someone else who you connect with and that person is the next person you're supposed to be with you don't have to make the ex like a bad kid to well like, and break here's up. what i'll say about that one I, I do think it is somewhat realistic they make her character this kind of archetype where she clearly needs attention, right? So she's always got to be the center, the prettiest, and have multiple yeah. people pine on her. But there's little thing touches that I like that kind of ring true in the real world where she really, she she does like him in the way that she doesn't want him to, to hurt, but her importance is way supersedes anything from him. Yeah. But there's this great line that he says when... They're kind of Nick and Nora are in the car. Uh, and by the way, for anyone who's interested, their names are taken from uh, the Thin Man book series and very popular movie series uh, of yesteryear. Uh, the books are written by Dashiell Hammett and their uh, detective couple. Anyway, they're in the car and they're having a rocky moment. And Nora says, just what did you see in her anyway? Mm -hmm. And he starts to like fumble. And then he goes, she supported our band when no one believed in it. And that is like, and that was cool because it was, that was this a really moment. good moment. Yeah. And but it's you like, don't really see it again. We're being well, told like cool things that would have been nice to have. Maybe. Like if she was still wearing his band t-shirt or something, or she well, had like a pin for his band. And she did go to the show, right? Yeah. She, she went to the show to see the band and. Yeah, I but she say, brought her new boyfriend. It's true. But maybe this is personal experience, right? You you said like, I've slept with a man who have given me orgasms. It's true. By the way, it's a very this, short list just to oh, clarify. Uh, my, <laughs> my wife can my, sleep with whoever my, she wants. My mountains of experience. It was uh, that, but. Uh, So, but it, it does ring true to me that this kind of person is a real person and they are more complicated than the just say 500 days of summer. Well, I'm just an emotional wreck who can't handle people. So you yeah. shouldn't be with me. Right. Like that's just kind of, it's, it's tired because it's a very surface level understanding of people. We're all See, complicated. I've known someone who's like, I don't do serious relationships. And like, you're like, why? But that's just how that, I don't know. I've known that person. So. Oh yeah. I, have I would too, say but I mean, 500 days of summer is believable, even though again, like in fiction, it's not super satisfying because we mm -hmm. want a why. But there are some people who are like, I just needed an exit door at any given time. Well, and also, I think it's not that it's just not, it's just not that it's, it's not that it's not believable. It's that it's not compelling, right? Because yeah. anytime, well, I, it's like when someone tells you. you here. Like, is yeah. it compelling to. Fair. Have, and like, I think that. She's just mean. And you're like, well, okay. And she but kind I, of, it's weird, right? Because she kind of, she's playing a part. And I yeah. do think I've met that person who it's like, because she does ask her friends even cat to go like go see who's fluffy she gets the name yeah, wrong yeah. which cat hates you know but like <laughs> yeah. she does have this and clearly they're her only friends right like it, we don't see anybody else in this yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. it's a weird dynamic it's cram it's like a whole bunch of tropes crammed into like a night and it is more say realistic than like um like it's played for realism. Like yeah. I think it would have been funny and interesting if, as you said, lots of people knew her everywhere because, like, oh, it's Tris. Like, oh, she's you know yeah. she gets around. But also, it would have been more comical than real. And this movie seems like a bunch of real moments crammed into an artificial shell. Yeah. Um, but I but I would definitely recommend it, especially to millennials, because again, just that sweet spot totally. of like two thousand and eight. <laughs> oh my gosh! Totally. Um, and I I do think. Like, who'd you recommend it for? Um, millennials. I do think 
girls, I think this is a good movie to watch because her and the lead connect over a common interest and like they have these really sweet moments. Whereas a lot of rom-coms, it's like, there has to be like a fight and the guy has to kind of like, the guy has to have this moment of where he has to realize he's done her wrong and like come to her for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And while like, not that you shouldn't own up to mistakes, but I feel like this is like a girl's movie in that the romance comes from just like this connection and sharing this love of music. And um, yeah, I think the, the way it's played out against the word sweet keeps coming to mind. Yeah. Like, yes, there is like a sexual scene with them, but even that's kind of sweet. And Mm -hmm. the fact that like, and she initiates it, which is nice. Yeah. It's just, um, you, you know, you and I've had this conversation, you know, off, camera so many times like i can just tell when something's written by a woman yeah it's like the female gaze is so prevalent in this movie that i'm like oh girls do yourself a favor and just watch this movie well and you made a good point the attraction between the two leads is not it's not that it's not a physical attraction but that's not what it's based on when he first Mm -hmm. sees her he notices her but he's not thinking he's clearly not thinking about other women right like and he's stuck on his his ex and she sees him she is interested in him Mm -hmm. but she doesn't like he's because he's a musician he's playing guitar she likes what he's doing like she likes the band and she there's an interest exactly um and uh i think she even calls him a a a moog or something weird um uh you know when when her friend is like you're looking at him blah blah blah. uh so it's just but it's interesting because i i i think what it comes down to they build the relationship in the movie and yeah. we so rarely get to see that actually feel genuine yeah uh, and and i love it and i would love to see they actually did a reunion reading of the script most of the cast including michael sarah at uh in 2020 for a, a water crisis um awareness and i uh you could still find that at, and that would be a delight i'm i know that you should put the link up uh i that is that is that is not gonna happen because i think it is (laughs) i think it is too hard to find but somebody can find this um (laughs) stop trying to give me work on the air uh no i'm just kidding thank you so much uh the fantastic beloved corinne porter for uh who has supported the podcast since before its inception or before its launch rather uh and and continues to do so thank you for being here we'll catch the listeners next week for uh the the sequel to michael saris for lovers scott pilgrim versus the world from 2010 now before we go corinne where can listeners find and follow you oh um they can find me uh the yoga brat on instagram for uh, and a mixture of yoga and a uh, hot political take. So that's <laughs> right. And that. she is a phenomenal writer and yoga instructor here in the desert. So uh, check that out. Thank you all. Please rate us all the stars, follow us, like us, subscribe, catch our uh, website, coltonclassicfilms.com. Catch us on Instagram at Colton classic podcast, same in Facebook and on YouTube. And we will catch you next week. Thank you so much. And make sure you go to our website and subscribe to our forthcoming newsletter to learn about all the cool new things that we will be putting out for you, the beautiful listener. To play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.